Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. It's almost a new decade. As we approach 2020, our staff has been reminiscing on the past year, but making big plans, both in our professional and personal lives, but also our sewing lives. On this episode, we're giving ideas for making sure your new year of sewing starts off right. We'd chat about a fun store featherweight lovers will go gaga over, give tips for the stitch and flip method, and share a sneak peek at our next quilt along. And we also chat with Wendy Shepard of Ivory Spring. It's a conversation you don't want to miss. Let's dive in. We all love to start the new year off right, especially when it comes to our sewing life. I'm here with Elizabeth Stumbo, the art director of American Patchwork and Quilting, who's sharing 10 items to help you start the year off refreshed, inspired, and enthusiastic about your projects. None of these to-dos will take very long, but they'll have a big impact on the joy quilting will bring you in the upcoming year. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Lindsay. So many people like to choose a word to represent their year, but it's also fun to have one just for your quilting life. So unlike a New Year's resolution, a word of the year is your constant and gentle reminder to focus on positive change in your life. It can help guide decisions and continue continue moving towards what you want. For example, if you're drowning in a pile of UFOs, your word of the year may be finished. If you use sewing as a stress relief, your word may be mindful. Some common creative words of the year to get you thinking include ones like brave, vibrant, purposeful, and giving. Lindsay, have you picked a word of a creative word for the year? Yes. So my creative the word of the year is cheer. Because I also do sewing for work, I can sometimes go months, it seems, without sewing anything just for me. Uh, something to sew just because it brings me joy. So I decided that the word cheer would really encourage me to sew more often to make myself happy and to make others happy, not just because it's on my to-do list. What about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I love this idea. So I've chosen the word confidence to be my word of the year. I really want to focus on building my quilting skills, um, experimenting with colors, and also just being brave enough to try some new-to-me techniques. I love it. Yeah. So our next idea is to get a planner or journal. So if you know Elizabeth and I at all, it probably won't surprise you that we're avid planner users and we love being organized. <laughs> I love a good planner. Mm-hmm. There are some specific planners for quilters out there, such as the Quilters Planner, but you can grab any planner or journal that works for you. Having a specific notebook for quilting will help you keep track of deadlines, dates for retreats or guild meetings, projects you want to make, inspiration, and doodles or quilting designs. It can also help track your projects so you have a list of your progress throughout the year. I love that idea so much. I might have to try that out this year. (laughs) So the next couple are kind of easy ones to, you know, that you often forget about, but they're really important. So um, the first one is to just change your needle and rotary cutter blades. Many of us don't do this often enough, and having a fresh needle and blade for the new year will really make sewing easier and enjoyable. It's a great feeling to start off the new year with your tools in tip-top shape. And another tip is to clean your machine. So if you haven't given your machine some love in a while, now's a great time, and you'll easily remember the last time you cleaned it if you start with the new year. Less lint and a little oil will help you sew smoothly. 
we also would encourage you to wind some bobbins. So how often are you sewing along, making lots of progress, and then you run out of bobbin thread? So often. It happens all the time. <laughs> and it's so frustrating. I like to wind bobbins of my most used threads, so basically my white creams and blacks, so I can easily swap them out without missing a beat. Taking just 20 minutes one day to wind a lot of bobbins will save you months of that tedious task. I'm going to try that one this year because I always run out of bobbin yes. thread and I hate taking that little break just to wind a new one. It mm-hmm. drives me nuts. I have an aunt who comes to every quilt retreat with like at least 10 bobbins in her favorite gray thread oh, ready to go. <laughs> okay, our next tip is to get inspired. So inspiration is key to creation. So I usually like to do a social media cleanse at the beginning of the year. So I'll unfollow people and accounts who just don't inspire me anymore so that I can see more from the people and the brands that I love. You can also set up an inspiration board in your sewing room so that you can pin up patterns, photos, quotes, and colors that really resonate with you. You can keep a journal to record notes, sketches, or pictures. Or consider joining your local quilt guild or taking a class at your local quilt shop. Yeah, being inspired is key to having the energy to keep creating all year long. I personally love getting inspiration from Instagram. And recently I have started saving favorite posts to my saved collections on Instagram so I can easily search through them when I need a jolt of creativity. I have specific collections created for color palettes that I find really beautiful and intriguing, another collection saved for handmade gift ideas, and also another one for future patterns I want to purchase. That's a great idea. And just sometimes if you're just stuck on something or you need to let your mind wander, just kind of looking through all those photos can sometimes give you new ideas. Yeah, I love doing that so much. Um, The next one is to make a goal. So sometimes we can get stuck in a rut and making a goal to learn a new skill to check something off your quilting bucket list or finish some UFOs. So we have an ultimate quilting bucket list and a UFO challenge that we'll link to in the show notes that may be just what you're looking for. It doesn't even have to be a big goal. Just sometimes the smallest goal can bring so much joy when you accomplish it. Reaching your goals can restore your passion and your enthusiasm for quilting. Next is organize your workspace. So I'm not saying your space needs to be clutter free, just organized enough for you to have an open workspace and know where all your supplies and fabric are. Being able to have space to sit down with a project and find all your supplies means more sewing time. Depending on how messy your space is, it may take some time to work your way through the room, but I promise it'll be worth it. If your time in your sewing space feels chaotic and scattered and stressful, sewing may not always bring joy to you. Yeah, and while you're doing this, you can also be sorting through your fabrics to donate and um, donate your fabrics and your quilts. So while you're organizing your space, if you have fabrics you'll never use or quilts you just may not finish, consider donating them to a local organization or a quilt shop who will finish them for a charity. It gives you more room in your stash and allows others to receive joy from your discards. We know that having a project or fabric that you'll never finish or never use can cause feelings of guilt and anxiety. So just get rid of it and move on to something you truly love. Great idea. So our last tip is to give yourself a compliment. So many quilters are so hard on themselves and like, hey, none of us are perfect. Start the new year off right by finding something you're really proud of and giving yourself props. 
Elizabeth, what are you really proud of in your quilting life this past year? So yeah, I'm really proud of the fact that I tried big stitch quilting for the first time this year and I absolutely loved it. I added some simple echo quilting to the center of some star blocks, um, just using colorful Valdani threads. And now I have this beautiful wall hanging on the wall in my living room and I get to enjoy it every day. So it was really fun to try that out. Um, what are you really proud of this year, Lindsay? I'm proud that I used mostly fabric from my stash this year. I did go shopping a few times, but mostly from my stash, which has given me more space in my sewing room. And it's also given my quilts a little more of a scrappy look, which I love. Yeah. Um, so we'd love to hear how you're starting your year off sewing right. So feel free to reach out to us by email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Or you can also tag us in your photos on Instagram using at allpeoplequilt so we can see all your progress. Yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. We'll be back after this quick ad break. I'm back with Elizabeth for What We're Loving, a segment where we share the trend, product, or person we're loving right now. So what are you loving right now, Elizabeth? Well, this time of year, gift giving and holiday shopping are definitely at the top of my mind. There are a few people on my Christmas list that are a little bit hard to shop for, but then I discovered the featherweight shop, which is what I am currently loving right now. So every quilter in my family sews on a vintage featherweight machine. So finding this shop has been perfect for them. There are so many unique and practical gift ideas for quilters, especially for those of us that are obsessed with our Singer featherweights. My favorite gift idea from their website is their magnetic dish for pins, and it just coordinates so perfectly with featherweight machines. It features black and gold decals and just really looks like it coordinates and matches the machine so beautifully. Now I'm here with Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More for Back to Basics, a segment where we share tips and tricks about a sewing tool or a technique. So what are we learning today, Joanna? So in Quilts and More, we get a lot of projects that use what's called the stitch and flip technique. To use that technique, you draw a line, usually for a diagonal seam, stitch on that line, then trim and press open the attached piece, hence stitch and flip. It can take a little practice though if you want to maintain your accuracy as you piece, especially if the angled lines are going to meet up where you join units. So here are some of my favorite stitch and flip techniques, tips, and also one tip that was from one of our quilt testers because we love when we get tips from other people too. So first, when you draw your line, use a thin pencil or fabric pen. The thinner the better. It may not seem like it makes a difference, but if your line is really thick, you might sew at a slightly different angle because you can't tell what part of the thick line is the degree you want. Use a good light as you sew so you can see that thin line and stay as close to it as possible. How accurately you follow the marked line makes a difference in how the finished piece will look once you um, sew it. So where you mark is where the seam needs to go. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, and this is the one that was from our tester, uh, you're probably going to lose a bit of your seam when you press the attached piece open. That's just part of the process. There's going to be a little natural bump where that fold is. Sometimes it's not a big deal, either because you're going to trim that unit down later, or the fabric has a little bit of extra give to it, or maybe you're just really good at pressing things flat, in which case I'm jealous. But other times that extra little bump means your piece is going to be just a little too small or maybe not line up as well with the piece that it's joining to. So 
What she suggests, and I think this is a great idea, is try making a couple of units from a pattern first and see if you're consistently having trouble with the pattern's pieces not being quite the same size or quite the right size. If it's consistently a problem, switch from a quarter inch to a scant quarter inch, which usually means moving about two threads or so into the seam allowance. That little bit of extra room will um, get used up when you press. It'll be part of that bump, and then that'll make your piece flatter, and it'll be the right size instead of being a little too short. So it takes a little bit of practice, but it should help you piece units that are the correct size when you stitch and flip. Next, Joanna is doing Ask Us Anything. So today's question is from Grace Sanchez. She asks, I've never done a quilt along before, but they look like fun. What suggestions would you have for someone who wants to try one? Well, that is a great question, and I think it's a little funny that it's posed to me because I'm usually someone who fails at quilt-alongs, like, repeatedly. Um, But I have learned a few things along the way from those failures, so hopefully this advice will be helpful to you, Grace. My biggest piece of advice would be to stay connected with others during the quilt-along. The community aspect is most of the fun of a quilt-along. I mean, otherwise you're just making a quilt, which is awesome on its own, don't get me wrong, but the community is really what makes the quilt-along process special. I would also suggest uh, you try to stay organized, especially if you know you might get a little sidetracked during the process. I've had some where I knew I had an event going on in the middle of it and I was going to have to step away and since I wasn't organized when I tried to come back, I had no idea where I was in it. So um, most will give you a schedule, but it's still helpful to like mark down where you stopped, where you started so you can pick it back up more easily. And uh, also use your new quilt along friends for accountability. That's a big one because it's very easy to, again, get sidetracked and they they will help you with reminders and making sure you stay on top of things. And again, just taking really good notes is very helpful with any quilt, but especially for a quilt along quilt. And if I may offer a suggestion, we have a great quilt along starting up for Quilts and More that I think would be a good one for you to try for your first quilt along. So the pattern is Plus Postage by Susan Ake. It was originally part of a 2016 quilt along we did, but it's such a great and versatile pattern that we wanted to bring it back so we can share it with some new people who might have missed it that first time around. It's 16 half inches square, so a small throw, but it's really easy to customize for any size that you need. And we have a really great community for, again, that's so important for that accountability and that, that friendship factor. So um, it's a great place to start because everybody is so welcoming and helpful. And the quilt is made with fat quarters. It forms a red cross block with a postage stamp background. It's really fun. It's really simple. It's great for stash busting. The pattern is available for purchase at apqshop.com. And the quilt along is going to run for six weeks from January 6th to February 16th. Um, Again, the quilt is just fun and fast. And I would really encourage you to join us. I'm going to... I'm going to try again. I know I never keep up with my quilt alongs, but I'm going to try. And um, I'd love to quilt with you. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll be posting more details on Instagram and in our exclusive Facebook group. So visit the show notes for a link, and I hope to see you all there. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Welcome to Getting Social. About a month ago, I had the pleasure to chat with Wendy Shepard. 
Wendy is a well-known quilt designer. You'll often see her designs in our magazines. She's an author, an aura fill thread designer, and a talented machine quilter. Her newest book, Quilting with Kids, from Fox Chapel Publishing, just came out on December 10th and features her cute 10-year-old daughter, Gwen. In this interview, we chat about how she got her start in quilting, how many quilts she's made, you'll never believe the number, and how her daughter is excelling in the sewing world, too. I really hope you enjoyed this interview. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Hi, Lindsay. Good to see you. So to start, why don't you give us a little background about your life as a quilter? Okay, well, it's kind of a long story cut really, really short. I'm actually a happenstance quilter because I never really even touched a sewing machine until I was in my early 30s. So at the urging of a good friend who has quilted for well, back then, more than 30 years. You know how quilters, they like to badger people. So pretty much, you know, I was badgered into trying quilting. And so um, I didn't join her quilting class because I didn't quite like the beginner's quilt she was teaching. So she kept, you know, encouraging me. So I went to the library and checked out a book and picked out a piece quilt with applique. And I just show it to her. I said, Barbara, would you teach me? And she said, well, sure. So the next day, the very next day, we went to the fabric shop, got fabrics. She taught me, and to her credit, she never blinked once, you know, with my silly questions or my my lack of skills. And after that first quilt, the rest is history. (laughs) I love it. So, Wendy, you're such a prolific quilter, and I love that your Instagram profile says you're a mother and wife by day and a quilter by day and night. So, how do you find so much time to sew? Well, um, when my daughter was really young, I think I had more time because all she did was sleep and had milk. (laughs) But when she got older, I had to be a little bit more creative to find time. But I do try to block in certain time in my day to sew. And um, I like to sew at night. I'm a night owl. So I think a lot of the sewing happens at night after everybody is in bed. How late do you stay up? Well, it ranges from 1130 to sometimes three o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh, you're crazy. I have to be in bed by 10. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, I, the good thing is I don't really need a lot of sleep to function. And I actually like being alone at night. So that, that helps. I like it. Okay, so on January 1st, you started posting a quilt a day on Instagram. So tell us where that idea came from and how many quilts have you actually made? Well, a few years ago, I would say my daughter is 10 now. When she was about seven, she came to me one day and she said, Mom, she's an only child. She said, Mom, when you go, do I get everything you own? And I said, yes. And she had those big eyes. She looked at me. She said, including all your quilts. I said, well, 
if you didn't like all of them, you could maybe donate them. And that really got me into thinking how many quilts I had. And so when I told her she could only just keep, you know, if she wanted, she could keep five or six and donate the rest. She said she had this look of relief. She said, oh, she said, thank you so much. She said, if you only made five or six in your lifetime, I would keep all of them. But she said, not when you have more than 250. She said, I, didn't, I don't want to end up with a house full of quilts. So I had this idea of, you know, people ending up like she was a house full of cats and a house full of quilts, that mental picture. So anyway, that really got me into thinking. And I started kind of counting. And I think I have at least 275 or 300, but I don't know for sure. And that's why first of January this year I started doing a quilt a day just try to keep you know not maybe an accurate count but just have an idea of how many I have and so I think I have up to today it's what 267 or 268 but as to how many I actually made I think it's at least 250 yeah in in recent years, um, sometimes I get too busy, so someone would step in and help out and make the quilt for me, yeah. And I'm sure you've gifted a lot of those quilts, so they're not, you know, you don't have them in the house? No, I actually don't have a lot of quilts that I have given away because a lot of times I go to trunk shows, I have very topic-specific presentations. For example, you know, I am on the personal quest on how many sawtooth star quilts I can make. So that, the, I have made probably close to 25. And like Ohio star quilts, I have about 20 of those. So a lot of times I have to keep them for now, just so that I can share it with guilds and people that I talk to. But you know, when I retire, when I'm old and gray, I'll probably give a lot of those away. That way Gwen doesn't have to deal with them. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Okay, so we mentioned your daughter. She's 10 years old. Gwen is actually a really talented hand embroiderer. Um, And your fourth book that's debuting this fall is called Quilting with Kids. So tell us a little bit about the book and if Gwen had a hand in helping you with it. I call Gwen my armchair designer. So she's very, very honest. She gives me her honest opinion. And uh, we have different tastes in colors, but her colors always seem to work. Her colors are kind of off the wall, but they always seem to work. And so the book idea came when people started finding out that I actually work with Gwen on quilting and stitching. And so um, they were saying that we need to reach the next generation. And so the book is actually... um, very sequential. Um, It starts with good table manners in that we learn how to make um, napkins in the book in the first chapter and we move on to pillowcases because I know that you know like APQ we have a pillowcase challenge. Um, There are actually five different versions I think in the book on different pillowcases children can make to donate and then we move on to the skill building with making quilts with squares, quilts with rectangles, how to frame quilts, um, panel quilts, and every quilt has a doll version of the project where kids can learn, and if they want to explore more, they can make the bigger size quilts. 
Well, I'm sure Gwen will be so excited when the book comes out. Is her picture in the book? Yes, her pictures and pictures are in the book. So she's really excited about that. <laughs> Fun. Okay, I want to end the interview with a, a few quick questions. So what's your favorite quilt block? Saw to start. Your favorite type of thread? It depends on what kind of projects I'm working on, but if I have to pick an absolute favorite, it will be the Orfil 50 weight. What do you machine quilt with? Um, normally 50 weight or 40 weight, and I've also quilted with the 80 weight, which is a very fine thread. Okay. What's the color that always appears in your quilt? That's probably the hardest question. I had to look through my Instagram feed to look at all the quilts and say, well, what color kind of keeps, uh, I guess, uh, showing up? And I think maybe it's red and shades of red. It could be maybe pink or, you know, yeah, it has some red. What's your favorite feature of your sewing space? It is a long table on which I work. So on the right end of the table is my sewing machine and my computer where I work on my pattern. But on the other end is where Gwen works so that I can catch her when she's, you know, slacking off in homework or something. But we love that setup because as she and I both work, we chat and we can share the time together. Thank you so much, Wendy. I really enjoyed our interview. Thanks, Lindsay. See you next time. I loved my conversation with Wendy. It was so great to catch up with her. You can stay in touch with Wendy on Instagram at ivory underscore spring or visit her blog at ivoryspring.wordpress.com. Wendy also has an Ohio Star quilt in the February issue of American Patchwork and Quilting, which is on sale now, so you'll have to check that out. This is our last show of the year. So we can truthfully say we'll be back next year. We can actually say we'll be back next decade. (laughs) Everyone have a happy new year and thanks for listening in.